0: Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom, the podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 156 is entitled, The Invisible God, Part 2.
1: The purpose of faith in this life is to lead to a perfect knowledge of Christ.
0: Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, Second Peter 1,
1: 2-3. Another purpose of exercising faith in Christ is that we might access the promises given to us through covenant,
0: whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Second Peter 1.4
1: But faith doesn't come alone. We must also take upon ourselves the virtues of Christ.
0: And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity.
1: Obedience to the commandments of God is the only way we can gain knowledge of Christ.
0: For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Unless we apply faith and virtue, we will be blinded by the cunning of Satan and the devices of the world.
0: He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins.
1: To not be able to see afar off means that we will not be able to discern the consequences of our actions. The one thing that we overlook is the cunning of Satan. He turns things upside down calling good evil and evil good. If we are doing evil when we think we are doing good, Satan has us in his chains. For example, we all draw our conclusions from the fundamental premises we believe. If we believe there is no God, then we will draw all of our conclusions about creation from the temporal laws and not spiritual laws. All life is spiritual. Temporal laws give mortal flesh to the spirit. But temporal laws do not give life to the spirit. The spirit lived before the temporal body, and the spirit will continue to live after the physical body turns back to dust. Therefore, we cannot draw any conclusions about the origins of life from temporal laws. But leaving the grand scheme of creation, we must consider how our belief in God affects how we govern ourselves. If we discount God, then we necessarily discount the existence of absolute virtue. Therefore, we begin to create all of our laws based on the opinions and manufactured ethics of man which change with the tide. That is the dilemma we find ourselves in today. By turning away from the Christian values, our nation is basing all of its laws on popular opinions. We look for temporal solutions of spiritual problems. For example, rather than the law of chastity, We look for solutions to unwed mothers, fatherless homes, unwanted pregnancies, poverty, broken homes, diseases, poor education, gangs, increase in crime, etc. through sex education or social programs. We combat sexual promiscuity by teaching safe sex rather than teaching abstinence before marriage. Society is where it is today because we can no longer see afar off. We put out our fires with gasoline. The problem is compounded with a profound truth that we deny, and it is this. Absolute law has absolute consequences. We do not escape the consequences of law by redefining virtue. All sin, all sorrow, all calamity, all disruption of harmony is caused by broken laws. All sin is a violation of the laws of Christ. We cannot be saved in ignorance. Just as we need to know temporal laws, we need to know spiritual laws. Violation of laws brings misery, captivity, and death. Obedience to law brings happiness, freedom, and life. If we want liberty, we must obey the law of liberty, which is the Ten Commandments. Any violation of the Ten Commandments will lead to captivity and misery. Only through diligence and endurance can we have our calling and election sure.
0: Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to making your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. 2 Peter 1,
1: 2-10 The fruit of faith is everlasting life, or the tree of life, as described by John.
0: In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruits every month Revelation 22, 2-5 through five.
1: The full fruit is reaped in heaven.
0: It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-two.
1: Faith deals with the unseen world.
0: For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. so that they are without excuse. Romans one seventeen through
1: 17-20 Just as we cannot see the spirits of the dead, eternal things are also invisible to the naked eye. The reason is simple. It is made of matter too refined to be seen by mortal senses. We can only see spiritual things when the Holy Ghost makes them known unto us.
0: While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18
1: Only through the eyes of faith are they known.
0: For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7
1: Theocentric faith is the empirical science which is based on observation and experiment rather than theory of the invisible world also dependent upon the principle of causality, the idea that for every cause there is an effect, and that the cause always precedes the effect, which, without the spirit, is always counterfeited in the visible world. In other words, miracles, the product of theocentric faith and spiritual causality, can always be explained away by temporal causality. Moses' Red Sea has been explained as a sea of reeds, Some modern scholars claim that Moses did not lead the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground, but through a swamp. The flood of Noah has been explained away as a number of different floods in confined areas. The day of Pentecost is explained as mass hysteria. To the unbelieving, all miracles fall under the same scientific oblivion, and all virtues are explained away by evolution and assigned a specific gene. Variety of nature is explained away by natural selection. Laws are evidence of God when seen through the eyes of faith. Even the proliferation of signs and wonders can soon be explained away and ignored. Faith gives flesh to supernatural events and makes them visible and understandable to those who see with spiritual eyes. Faith directs the eyes of true believers toward God, even in the sound and fury of howling events. Whether those events are great calamities, trying experiences, unimaginable tragedies, fierce storms, whirling hurricanes, or glorious manifestations. But to the unbelieving, the greatest miracles soon whimper into nothingness. It is for that reason that miracles have little power of enduring conversion.
0: But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him.
1: Not only are miracles wrought by faith, but only through faith are miracles perceived, recognized, and sustained. Each level of faith generates its own reward, and none should be neglected. It is in the theocentric faith, however, that uncertainty is at its greatest because miracles can never be proven to be of God. Look how quickly we accept electricity, flight, medicine, internet, atomic energy, television, radio, telephone, and so many other marvels of our age as perfectly ordinary. In Theocentric faith always lives in uncertainty, and the greater the uncertainty, the greater the potential for faith. Paul's definition of faith becomes real. One is surrounded by
0: evidence of things not seen.
1: Faith on earth can only flourish in an environment of uncertainty. In this life, miracles must always have an alternative interpretation, that is, the premise upon which developing faith depends. If one believes God's hand is in everything, then one can see God's hand in everything. On the other hand, if one does not believe God's hand is in everything, then one cannot see God's hand in anything. He will attribute events to luck, to chance, to accident, to coincidence, to the vicissitudes of life, to fate, to science, to natural law, to natural selection, to himself, and even to the devil. It is often demonstrated that
0: the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Luke sixteen eight.
1: Perfect faith is the combination of the egocentric, ectocentric, and theocentric, fully recognizing God's hand in all three, to accomplish a seemingly impossible task through the genius of oneself to succeed where others failed because one inherently possesses the experience, gifts, talents, and skills to build empires, govern nations, lead armies, and shape the world through the harnessing of all resources possible from self, from others, from all other available resources, to do this, and yet humbly and truthfully give God the credit, That is the quintessential exercise of the kind of theocentric faith necessary to lead to exaltation. It is probably easier to develop faith during suffering than during success. Success reveals our strengths. Suffering reveals our weaknesses, thus prompting us to call upon the promises of the Lord. Paul gives such an exquisite definition of faith that it suffers attenuation by elaboration. Christ is faith. Therefore, any definition of faith is a description of the essence of Christ, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sincere gratitude, the recognizing of God's hand in all things, is perhaps the only accurate measure of one's faith. And those who feel gratitude to God in all things, temporal and spiritual, have the faith necessary to see the full fruition of their righteous prayers and inspired desires to see Christ when it is one with the will of God, and to be caught up in the clouds with him when he comes in his glory. Faith is the ability to exceed expectations. Faith has many enemies, discouragement, anger, fear, low self-esteem, depression, despair, pride, false expectations, doubt, unidentified desires, unworthy counselors, prideful mockery, historical failures, natural man, negative companions, impatience, misplaced trust, a series of failures, lack of planning, poor preparation, low commitment, extended crisis, spiritual ignorance, and a host of other idle imps of whispering lies. But those false cords snap, and out of weakness we are made strong when we rely upon the true source of strength. Nor does faith troll in the sweet and seraphy soup of self-pity, for those who, like a fly stuck in honey, choose to drown in cloy and engrossment. Faith is an eternal law, but it must be reached for. The first move must be our own. Faith does not dwell in the entanglements of sin and unwarranted despair. The old carousels had a brass ring, just out of reach. However, those who stretched could capture the prize. The fruits of faith are the brass ring that requires stretching, but faith has an advocate that the old valueless brass ring did not have. If the desire is worthy, the Savior's long invisible arm will suddenly reach out, and he will grab your hand and pull you to the arms of safety, where faith and certainty commingle. It is according to the promises. It is part of the atonement, and the rewards are eternal. As faith increases, agency increases. Sometimes the prize is not the brass ring. Sometimes the prize is the experience that increased faith, because faith itself is a godlike attribute that, although self-existing, must be developed until we reach the throne of God. The Ten Commandments established the maximum use of the three levels of faith. The first three commandments honoring God established theocentric faith. The fourth and fifth commandments about work ethics and family establish egocentric faith. And the last five commandments about relying upon law establish ectocentric faith. If the basic ten commandments can do that, what are the rewards of measuring up to the Sermon on the Mount? Perhaps that is what we need to do in preparation for the coming down of the Holy City and the returning of Christ.
0: Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.
1: In Defense of Christianity is available at ronaldmesser.com